Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hey everyone, this is Diana Morgan. I am the head of community at the startup called Copy AI, where we specialize in AI copywriting. I am based in Los Angeles, California. I would say the okay, this is a story I don't very, share very often, mostly because it's definitely on more on the serious side. So when COVID happened last year, started last year, I should say, in March of 2020, obviously all the work I had done of building in-person community for a tech company. <clears throat> fell apart <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and so I, I had to figure out digital, yeah, digital community building strategies, like how do we still engage people and perform without, you know, having the same impact of uh, in person, which is very different. And one of the biggest challenges, it wasn't even that big of a challenge, but it definitely reframed things into how I look at the world and how to keep a community safe was uh, this was the time around Zoom bombing when that was happening for like a good couple of weeks. And so I hosted a virtual event and yeah, <laughs> I hosted a virtual event for a group in Indianapolis um, surrounding UiPath around automation. And it was going well for about 30 minutes and uh, before we knew it, there was a hacker that took control of the screen and started sharing um, the most, the worst type of content. I, I just don't even want to mention it onto the screen. And I couldn't even stop it until I forced closed the entire event. It was so bad. And before I know it, the speaker called me like sobbing, crying uh, because he was that scarred. And he said he had to go to church and it was just a very dark moment, even though there was only like 20 people in the Zoom call. It was just something you would never think about at an in-person event. You know what I mean? Like you think of security maybe when you think about in-person, like, you know, going up the elevators or, you know, having security at the door or something like that. But 
I don't think there was ever, there was not really like digital virtual event security just yet, you know? (laughs) And I took the rest of the week off because I was just really thrown for a loop of what had happened. And it really struck a big chord with me that people are that evil on the internet at times as well to sort like literally ruin people's days and scar them. But it was also a moment where it made me realize like, obviously I could have never prevented that or like, you know, tried. Uh, I did the right thing of just like shutting the event down because fortunately you could just do that at a virtual event, like end meeting for all. But it, it really made me think about how do we protect people and how, especially if we live virtual lives more or less from now on, how do we engage with people that is still safe, but does not, you know, when we translate more and more into virtual worlds, we need to establish more etiquette and boundaries as well that will be very different so that things like that never happen again. Obviously, it was like a video call and like very different. And it was also a work setting, which made it worse. <laughs> but, you know, it's not like Zoom did anything about it. Like I reported it and my IT team had like no remorse. They're just like, well, it happened. It's just like, well, yeah, but like I am forever scarred from this, you know. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot more for, yeah, where the world should define like what do we think of digital privacy, digital security, um, how we look at how to engage with people on the internet. Like, I know trolling can be fun, I guess, <laughs> at times in a very small set of people that actually know each other. But the way that we show up in person in certain aspects should translate how we show up online. And that was a big, big moment that changed my perspective. Hey, this is Amanda Light co-founder and director of growth at Nimbler.ai, an AI scheduling and communication platform based in Los Angeles. I would say it's, like I mentioned earlier, leadership is big for me and just leading a team to success really, really drives me, lights the fire in me for sure. The grit and like collaboration that can happen like underneath me and, and that I can help to happen, it makes me feel fulfilled. The team feels fulfilled. The team feels worthy. And it's not about, there's no end goal, right? It's, you have to keep pushing and climbing the mountain. So you have to celebrate the little things and slowly climb that mountain and set small goals with your team. And for me, just, it's so rewarding. I love what I do. I love the team that we work with. I feel so lucky. And and yeah, for me, it's just about knowing that I can make a difference in these folks, like professional and hopefully personal life. And what huge obstacle have you successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? I would say for Nimbler, the early days, you know, we knew we had a problem that we were solving, but the hardest part, especially so for using the healthcare example, you're going into a real medical practice or medical group with tens or hundreds of doctors and that's serious business. They're not just going to let anybody through those doors, but when you have no success cases yet, you know, you're knocking on doors kind of. So probably when we first were able to get our product in people's hands inside of their EHR and we were making a difference and we started converting trials and we just looked around and we're like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. It wasn't easy. And obviously the product that you start with is completely different than the product that you end up with. Not that we even have a product that we've ended up with yet, but yeah, I would say that that was a really rewarding obstacle to overcome was kind of the early days. And now it's just about scalability. And I, I always I always love to ask this question because I love software so much. What uh, outside of Nimbler, what's your favorite tool, website, mobile app? Oh, can I say Slack? I just You could totally it's how, so crazy how many people say Slack. Oh my I don't know how. It's like Uber. How did we ever live without it? You know? <laughs> what would you say is the most optimized way of using Slack? 
because I, you know, Slack mm. is used for communities, it's used for teams, it's used for so many things. But I think sometimes it can become a distracting tool, but it's so funny how many people have said their favorite tool is Slack. So you seem to be a very efficient, like hauled together person. So I'm dying to know, like, how do you, you <laughs> specifically use Slack so everyone can take note? This is how they should be using it too. I'm, I'm glad I'm coming off that way. That's a big compliment. <laughs> I'm also sort of a stream of consciousness person. There's definitely room for improvement for me, but yeah, we try to keep it organized and but it's just a good way. Like they say, that could have been an email. That meeting could have been an email. I love that piece of it. And we do use it. So we have like partners in the healthcare space and we just have channels with them. So like all of their sales reps or what have you, and just, you know, if we need to make an announcement and we just, you know, hammer it out to all those different groups. So we are using it outside of the organization. And, and I just think, I mean, especially nowadays, we're still primarily remote. We have a bit of a hybrid model going on, but it's just really helpful and, and everyone feeling united so easy now that we can't be in the same office to ping somebody, ask about their personal life, you know, have a quick chat, even just a quick connection, I feel like makes a difference. So I use it in a lot of different ways, but I appreciate that I seem so put together. I think on <laughs> Slack, my team would be like, why did Amanda send me seven messages in a row? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Mara Rafe, Chief Data Officer at FreshBooks, one of the world's leading cloud accounting software solutions based in Toronto, Canada. I don't like saying that having children is an obstacle, but I do think that sort of, you know, when I look around at the table at, at who's with me, um, the challenges that you face are a little bit different. And I'll say that actually, it's not just true now, it's been true since, you know, I remember my first job back as I was consulting. And uh, we go, we meet the client who's the president or whatever he was of, of the company, the senior guy. And he said, oh, well, you're intern. And they're like, she's not an intern. She actually works here. I remember debating if I should get myself glasses to make myself look older, if I should cut my hair short. And so for me, it was just about a credibility thing, I think, that I had to deal with, especially when I was younger. I think now that I'm older, it's a little bit different. But um, you know, when I was younger, I remember going to the airport for a business trip and the person asked if my parents had consented to me leaving. I was like, I'm, I'm over 18. You have my passport. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm allowed to travel on my own. And so I, I actually just think there's a bit of a credibility piece that, that, that you need to sort of step up with. And, and I actually struggled a lot with like, do I change the way I look to help myself go forward? And I, I was very uncomfortable with that. Uh, so I didn't, but um, that was actually a big one for me when I was younger, just sort of figuring out how to stand on my own two feet. A hundred percent. Do you have any kind of belief systems that you live by that kind of go against what the norm is? So the one thing that, that I always struggled with was that um, I don't believe in a five-year plan. And um, that's not to say that I don't believe in, you know, having aspirations and ambitions. But, you know, if you think about the world we live in, um, nobody could have told me where I was going to be in five years. And I don't think I would have, even if I picked something, I would have been wrong. And, and, and then I would have felt like I failed. My perspective is generally like, feel like you're moving forward and learning something new and moving in the direction you want to go to. And then, and then what I do like to do is instead of saying like, where do I want to be in five years? I like to say to myself, if I were to look forward, would I be happy with my decisions? Like, is that, is that the story I want to tell for myself? Right. There's all these, these like, you know, quotes you're going to read, which is like, nobody talks about your job and your funeral and those kinds of things. But, you know, it's really about the story that you want to be telling yourself. And even when I actually made the decision to join FreshBooks, like, it wasn't because I wanted to leave my company, but I sort of woke up one day and I said, okay, do I want to be in my fifties and have been at the same company for 25 years? Like, 
that's really cool, but it, it didn't feel like my life story. And so that was an opportunity for me to say, okay, so maybe it's time to make a change. I think the other thing too, is that, um, it never feels like the right time to change anything. You're always in the middle of something. You're always busy. And so it's a, it's a nice way to sort of break the cycle of saying, if I keep doing this, am I, am, am I going to stay where I am? But I sometimes think that pinking an endpoint, uh, pigeonholes yourself to something that you might not like, because you really don't know what that means. And so I'm all about picking a direction, being comfortable that you're moving forward in whatever way forward means for you. And then pausing and looking back and saying, you know, is this the story I want to, I, I want to have for myself as, as I move forward in my career. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.